Good morning again, and uh, it's nice to be with you. If I didn't get a chance to say hello to you before, hello to you now, and uh, if I didn't get a chance to introduce myself, my name is Nathaniel. I get to be pastor here, and so thank you for being with us. It's nice to have you. This morning, the, uh, the word from God that we'll take a look at is from Matthew chapter 17. And it's really a continuation of everything that we have been talking about for the last few weeks. Uh, we've, we've taken to heart the fact that we are most like the five or so people who most share themselves with us. And if that's the case, right, then what we're seeing is this is what the impact of fellowship is. If we spend time with a certain group of people, uh, very likely that people will, will make us who we are. And what Jesus wants from us is that the people who are making us who we are would be uh, excellent people, would be people who would make us in models of him. Uh, and then also, it's, it's not just that we have such uh, good relationships, because we all know that at times our relationships are not so healthy and, and strong. And if we have weaker relationships, if they're not so healthy, they're not so strong, Jesus gave us a way to help strengthen those connections that we have with one another. If we take away the false cultural values that tend to underpin the group that we're in, if we bring in the acceptance of God and then add in some satisfying teaching from Jesus, finally multiplying all of the grace for ourselves and others, very often we can find that the fellowship, the relationships that we have will grow stronger, even if it is a challenge. Uh, but that's, that's the way that God has put out for us that formula. And I don't know if you, if you thought about that one person or group of people this week that you could apply that formula with. Uh, I, I hope so, because I think we all have areas in our lives where we would like to see genuinely stronger, healthier relationships. Now... This week, um, so about 10 years ago, I was, was camping with my family, and uh, we were cooking over the fire. This was before the days where we started cheating and just used the propane grill. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was responsible for the, the cooking duties that morning, um, and I, for, I don't even remember what, exactly what I was doing. My, my wife probably remembers because she's the one who said this to me, but... Um, I, was, I think we were boiling water, and I, I had a, a towel on my hand so that I could grab something hot off the fire, and, but the, the towel uh, was hanging over the fire, and, and you can guess what happened. The towel caught on fire. And my wife very calmly says to me, Nathaniel, the towel is on fire. <laughs> and that's been a quote in our family to this day. And then I, you know, I, I wasn't really paying attention. I wasn't listening. And so she says once again, Nathaniel, the towel is on fire. And then I threw the towel on the ground and stomped it out. Uh, I had to be made aware, though, of this simple fact. Otherwise, I was liable to burn the whole forest down around me. Uh, it was a good thing that she was there to keep me safe. Now, that's a very lighthearted example of needing to be made aware of something so that I could stay safe. Uh, scripturally, we've got some, some very serious examples of that, especially in connection with our relationships or our connections with other people. One of the most surprising stories is uh, the biblical story of a man named Lot. Lot lives in a city, uh, a couple of cities, probably sister cities, something like uh, Otsego and Plainwell were. And uh, these cities had their own share of, of problems. God was sending a judgment upon those cities, and so he sent two messengers ahead of 
his judgment, to try to rescue Lot from those cities. Lot uh, did not at first want to, to heed or listen to the warning. Uh, he, he enjoyed the relationships and the connections, the time that he had in that city. He, he wouldn't give it up easily. Uh, finally, they, they practically had to drag him out of the city. And as he left, his wife looked back, and uh, it, was, it was the attachment, I would guess, to the people and the place that she loved, uh, and she found herself caught up in the destruction, and, and Lot's wife died. Now, that, that's a story uh, of, of Lot and his wife and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, but it really begs the question, does it have to be... Does it have to be that close of a call? Are we as Christians, uh, if you follow Jesus, are you supposed to put yourself at, at that much risk? Uh, are we heeding the warning? Jesus this morning uh, in this text says to us a very clear warning. He says, watch out. Right? Uh, you heard the, the words from him. He said, watch out. And I think that's pretty pretty straightforward for us. Um, watch out for false prophets. There's, there's nothing terribly fancy about that. I think we all recognize that there are good biblical teachers and there are bad religious teachers, just like there are good educators and, and bad educators. Uh, there are good police officers and bad police officers. There are good politicians and bad politicians. This is not exactly uh, rocket science, I guess, Jesus, for you to warn us about false teachers. Uh, but what he does then in warning us about such false teachers is that he, he reminds us, he encourages us, he says, God wants you to stay safe. He wants you to stay safe. And so here this morning, let's get a, let's get a glimpse into God's heart to keep us safe. Now, there are, are two maybe competing desires that we have as human beings which uh, fight against this need, this encouragement to stay safe. There are two competing desires. And so what we're going to do this morning is talk about basically those two desires that would put us in great danger and then the one way to stay safe. Uh, and so let's do that. Now, if we start at the very beginning here, um, very beginning of this lesson, what Jesus says is, watch out. <clears throat> watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And so right away we hear this instruction, watch out. Now look at what he says that you should watch out for. He says, watch out for something uh, that looks good, but isn't good. So if, if you today, when you leave here, if you tell me, hey, pastor, we're going to, you know, we're going to go down to um, Kalamazoo via 131 and we're going to go out to eat for lunch. And if you're newer to the area, I might say to you, hey, watch out for that southbound entrance ramp to 131 because there's this really weird yield sign on the ramp. Right? And so when you get to the southbound entrance to get onto 131, you're driving along there and you get there and you're like, oh, yeah. I see that. There's this sign. You're right. It is kind of odd. You know, I'm, I'm merging into traffic. I expect to have to accelerate. And then all of a sudden it says, slow on your brakes. 
So uh, that would not be at all a surprise for you if I said, watch out, watch out for something that you can see. But do you catch what Jesus is doing here? Right? He says, watch out for something that looks good on the outside, but is actually bad on the inside. And there's almost nobody who can tell you the difference. Right? What he's saying is, watch out for something that looks all right, but actually isn't all right. He says, watch out for something that you can't see. This would be a, a really hard thing to make an example of, but if you told me today that after you leave here, you were going to go to Lake Michigan and, and camp along the lake for the night, I might say to you, watch out for no seams. <laughs> and you would say to me, oh, okay, yeah, right. And, and, and what would you do? No. You would all put on repellent, would you? Uh, I mean, that's, that's the way that we watch out for things that we can't see. Now, what Jesus is, is doing here, right, when he says this, is he's, well, the way some people react to that is, as Christians, they carry around repellent for their whole lives, don't they? Jesus says, watch out for something that you can't ever see. Watch out for good teachers, people who seem to be good, but they're actually false. And, and so they carry, Christians will, will carry around repellent their whole lives and try to stay away from other Christians. Now, some of us do this naturally with our personalities. We, we're just not that uh, personable of people. We are not people who like to, to share and, and let others into our lives. But, but there are example after example in, in, in Christian history, Christian life, of individuals who, who say, you know, I don't want anything to do with other Christians. I don't want terribly much to do with fellowships. I, I'm happy you know, just by myself, I can, not only can I worship God on my own, but I don't need to be part of a Christian community and, and a Christian church. And this, this actually has a specific term for it. There's a term, it's called the separatism. And if you, I wrote it down, if you want to write it down there, separatism is essentially, it's the desire to separate from any and all other religious individuals so that you can try to stay safe. That's, that's all it is. And, and we've got very, uh, if you want to go to most, the most extreme examples, you know, people like the Amish would be the most extreme examples. That the Amish came out of the separatist movement that came here to America in the 17 and then the 1800s. So there's one whole desire where, where people say, hear Jesus' words, watch out for false prophets. They, they look like something good. And, and you say, well, I can't see them. They're no see them, so I'm just going to... Hide away from everybody. Uh, and that, well, does that work? Jesus tells us there's, there's a real specific problem with that. He says in verse 21, he says, I never knew you. Away from me, I, ne I never knew you. What's the end result of Christians who won't interact with anybody else from any other religion? Is, is that you never know, you never know, never know Jesus. We know Jesus very much by spending time with other, other Christians. He calls us the body of Christ, the hands and the feet and the head of, of Jesus. That's how we know other Christians. And, and we have no, if the only thing that we listen to as we pull away from, from other Christians, if, if that was the only thing we listened to, then we would have no right to expect anything else at the end other than, I never knew you. So Christians, we don't stay safe by separating from everyone. We just don't. 
Right? That, that leads to bigger danger at the end, namely Jesus saying, I never knew you. Now, that's not the, the major desire, though, that most individuals and most Christians, especially in America, face. By far, the greater challenge for Christians comes on the other side. Um, Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he says to us that everybody on the last day will, will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things? Now, first of all, let's, let's just quickly grab onto this phrase that he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You know, it, we do have some berry trees along here on the back line. Can anybody see the berry trees from right there? Or the berry bushes? you got some raspberries and things like that. Can you really? No way. There's one right there, way, way. All right. You're, you're ruining my example. Because I think, I think that what Jesus points out to us a little bit here is very often to tell if something has got fruit on it or not, you have to get fairly close to it. Uh, we, you know, if you want to know if the apple is good or not, you're going to have to get really close to it, aren't you? Uh, you're going to have to pick up that apple, probably look for the holes in it, look for the bruises in it, turn it around, spin it around, and inspect it carefully. And then when Jesus tells us that many on the last day are going to say, Lord, Lord, what he's telling us is that most, there's a lot of, of people who are going to sound very much like Christians, and they are going to be very hard to notice. And so most of us are going to be more inclined to connect with everybody. Because everybody sounds like a Christian to us. Everybody looks good to us until you get very close and you inspect it. This is the other desire that has, has really pushed along Christianity for the last uh, 75 years, at least here in America, but probably even longer than that. Uh, it, you know, it connects to the political things that have happened in the country as well. Everybody knows about the United Nations after World War II, but maybe what we don't know is that at the same time, there were the seven major religious groups in America, the seven major religious denominations called themselves, they came together and they called themselves the Seven Sisters. And they actually formed a, a mainline center of, of ministry and effort in uh, New York City to push that agenda forward. Um, that has led to all kinds of, of other things, but the, the history is, is telling us over and over that the stronger desire that many Christians will face, and if we're going to hear this call from Jesus and actually pay attention, we have to know about it, is what we call unionism. Unionism. And unionism basically looks like, let's all just get together. Can't we all work together? Don't we all believe the same thing? So you can put down for unionism, let's all work together. Now the thing is, is, is that has its own fair share of, of issues too. And history has two very interesting examples for us. I'll read those for us. Now this is, um, first of all, from uh, a man named Parker Williamson. And he's describing two ancient false teachers. Men named Arius and Socinus who everybody agrees did not teach according to the Bible. But here's what they said. Arius was like this. He was a bright, energetic, and attractive fellow, the kind of citizen whom any Rotary Club would welcome, 
singing sea chanties in dockside pubs and teaching Bible stories to the Wednesday night faithful, this was an immensely popular man. His story reminds us that heresy does not bludgeon us into belief. We are seduced. Another man, Wright, describes Sosinus like this. He was a gentleman. His morals were above reproach, and he distinguished himself by his unfailing courtesy. Unfailing courtesy was remarkable in an age when even the great Protestant leaders, Luther and Calvin, would use vile street language when arguing with their opponents. So these men, uh, Arius, he lived in the, in the 300s. Sosinus, he lived in about the, the 1600s. These are, are men who everybody loved at, at first sight. And yet the Christian church has universally and soundly agreed that these are, are not men who taught what the scriptures teach us. We need to also watch out for unionism. That is a desire that we all have. So the, the other thing we need to say is that Christians don't stay safe by uniting with everyone. So how do we stay safe? Jesus says at, at the end, those great words about a, a man building his house on a, a rock. Right? He says, the man who listens to these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you know what the, the word watch out really actually means? It means pay careful attention to. Watch very closely. And so here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, on page 7 in the service folder there, I've got a little test for everybody. And I, I need you to help me out and try to do the test. Okay, can you help me out with that? Page 7 right in the, the middle. Don't worry, this very much has to do with you paying careful attention. Okay. Can you do the test for me? Thank you. Ace the test. How, how many of you? How many of you actually put your name on the upper right-hand corner? Ah, about a dozen of you aced it. If you didn't write your name, oh, there you go. You didn't. I, you didn't have a pencil. Now th that's that's a, a silly example of paying careful attention to something. What's really interesting is to listen to individuals debate whether or not this kind of an exercise of paying careful attention is even legitimate. They'll argue back and forth and say, well, the test says don't do steps 3 to 18, but then do step 19. What's the logic between doing steps 19 and not doing steps 3 to 18? Other than steps 19 only says do step 1 and 2. Why would I do step 19 but not do step, right? And they go back and forth. And what ends up happening very interestingly, right? What ends up happening is everybody says, well, you have to know your teacher. You have to know what the teacher is expecting of you. 
Is the teacher a person who ends up saying, you've got to walk through everything in sequence and pay careful attention to the instructions? Or does the teacher reward you for independent thinking no matter how you approach the test? You've got to know your teacher. And so what's most interesting about even a little quiz like this is that what we end up paying attention to, we end up imitating. The people who spend all the time debating how to take a little quiz like this end up more and more thinking like their teacher. They've got to get in the head of their teacher to figure out exactly how they should take this kind of a test. When Jesus says, watch out, and then he ends this very section saying to us, the man who hears these words and puts them into practice, what is he saying to us? He's saying that the more we pay attention to what he says, the more we will become like him. The more we will become somebody who is firmly and clearly grounded on God's word, somebody who is firmly and clearly established on the truth that will let us differentiate between truth and falsehood, the more we will become like somebody who can tell not only the difference between morality, right and wrong, but between somebody who is a true teacher of God and a false teacher of God. And how can that be? How can it be that, that God could look at you and me who have spent so much time in our lives either running away from other Christians because we're afraid to share the good news with them, we're afraid they might corrupt us somehow, or we've spent way too much time saying all of these differences, they don't matter. They just don't matter. We don't need to pay attention. Right? Haven't we done both of those things? And how could Jesus say to somebody like us, the more you pay attention to me, the more you'll become like me. Isn't it only because he said, I've, I've paid such careful attention to you? Isn't it because he said to us, I will pay so much attention to you that I will come and, and walk among you. I will know your names. I will know your personalities. I will know your likes and your dislikes. I will know what you love and what you don't love. And I will take all of that with me to the cross. Isn't it because he said to a woman at a well, I know you. I know that you've had all of these husbands and now you're not married again. Isn't it because he said to, to Nathaniel sitting on the tree, I saw you. I saw you. Right? He paid such careful attention to his disciples. And he has paid careful attention to you as well. And so he can promise you and me that there is such forgiveness for us that the more we spend our time paying attention to him, the more we'll become like him. So friends, I think that's the, the invitation from Jesus today. To pay attention to him. To, to take your, your looking glasses and to maybe go and, and spend some time and look at him. And whether that means coming to a Bible study that we could put on together, whether that means getting together with your family, which is probably even a better way, and doing the, the discussion questions that come up at the end of every lesson, those will bring you to Jesus. Whether that means taking time for a, a family devotion, find a way to pay attention to him. Because there's a clear promise here that when we pay attention to him, we become like him. 
and then we'll stay safe. Can we pray for that? Dear Jesus, way too often we, we have maybe run away from other religious individuals or other Christians even because we're afraid that we're afraid that we might get corrupted uh, or, or, or changed in a way that's not good. And there's nothing wrong at all with staying away from false teaching. But if we're staying away because we're afraid, that's sinful. But at the same time, we've also smoothed over differences that are very important. We've ignored false teaching and bad ideas, and, and that is sinful as well. Forgive us for these things, Jesus. Let us pay attention to you and to your word, so that as we, we pay attention to you, we become imitators of you. We walk in your ways, we love your truth and your word, and we join all of the saints in glory everlasting. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.